This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you have your Bibles, go with me today to Matthew chapter 8. And I want to set this up for us as we begin. Jesus had just healed the centurion man, and it says that he actually marveled at the man's faith. He says to the man, nowhere in all of Israel have I seen faith like this. And then Jesus goes on to heal Peter's mother-in-law, and she responds by serving Jesus. It says that she went on to serve Jesus. And then Jesus heals everyone in the village, in Peter's village. So they find out that Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law, and so everybody starts coming. People that are demon-oppressed, those that needed healing in their body. And so it says that Jesus cast out demons and that he healed all of the sick. And then by doing this, he fulfilled Isaiah 53, which says that by his stripes, we are healed. And so Jesus says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And so as a result of all these miracles and these healings and these wonderful things that Jesus begins to do, crowds start showing up. Now, how many of you guys know that when God moves, crowds will come? But Jesus is not interested in the crowds. And he actually is uncomfortable when people start showing up for all the wrong reasons. And so he takes his disciples and he says, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go to a little place across the lake called Gada Renas, which is this little Gentile town east of the Jordan. And it's here that we pick up with our primary text today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, and then verses 23 through 27. And it says this. When he saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Verse 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! He replied, Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and he rebuked the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And so for those of you taking notes today, the title of my message is this, even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, I believe that Jesus, the miracle maker, wants to teach you and I how to confront the winds and the waves in our life. And I think that if we're honest with each other and with ourselves, you and I are going to face many tumultuous winds and many tumultuous waves in our lifetime. How many know that's true? Truth is, life can be a little crazy. It can be a little nuts. And it's full of ups. And it's full of downs. It's full of triumphs. And it's full of loss. It's full of mountaintops. And it's full of valleys. But despite, I believe, these ongoing realities, I believe that Jesus wants you and I to know today, and here it is, he wants us to know how to live a courageous life no matter what we face. No matter what we face. And I love this story for many reasons, actually. But the chief reason I love it is because Jesus loves to purposely mess with his disciples. Now, hopefully today we can shatter some religious boxes that we've put around Jesus. I don't know what image you have of Jesus in your head when you think about him. For those of you that grew up in in the 60s and 70s, maybe it's that 70s film Jesus version. Maybe it's the Jesus Christ Superstar version. Maybe for those of us that are 80s and 90s kids, maybe it's the Jim Caviezel Jesus, the passion version. 
maybe for those of you that are a little younger, you millennials, maybe it's the new Bible AD series version that was on TV a few years ago. I don't know what picture of Jesus you have in your mind. Maybe it's a white Jesus. Maybe it's a Jewish Jesus. Maybe it's a black Jesus. I don't know what you think of when you think of Jesus. But it's important that you and I don't place Jesus in boxes that he's not in. And I think that Jesus loves to purposely mess with his disciples for this reason. He likes to shatter expectations and ideas, ideologies that people have and formulate about who he is. And so he does this. He purposefully has his disciples row out into this storm. And what is he doing? He's taking a nap. He's sleeping. Now, if that doesn't mess with you, I want to challenge you today to look a little closer to why Jesus is doing what he's doing and to pay attention to it. I love that in the midst of this storm, and the scriptures say it's a furious storm, okay? It's not just a little wind. It's a furious storm. And I love that in the midst of it, Jesus is taking a nap. He's sleeping. He's at peace. And I want to challenge us today from the outset to remember this point I've made before about discipleship. Discipleship is not just about going somewhere and doing something. Discipleship is about having intimacy with the Father so that the same life that Jesus had with his Father, you and I can have with our Heavenly Father. And I believe because Jesus had intimacy with his Father, he was able to take a nap in the middle of a furious storm. He was able to lay down and be completely at peace. When's the last time a furious storm or a moment of chaos came and overtook you and your response was to just grab a little pillow and lay back, put your feet up and take a snooze? No, that's not what I do. I freak out a little bit. What am I going to do? I'm drowning. I don't know what I'm going to do. And after maybe I freaked out a little bit, then maybe I start to regain my composure and then maybe I'm willing to entertain the idea of peace and tranquility and napping. But that's not a natural muscle for most of us. That's not our natural response or reaction. And Jesus knows this. And it's why he's purposely led his disciples out into this storm. Because he wants to teach us, as he was teaching them, something about the nature of God. I believe that God wants to show off in our life. But in order to see the power and the miraculous hand of God at work, we got to be willing to engage some storms. And so my first key point I want to make today is this. Following Jesus courageously often means following him into storms. Jesus, the miracle maker, he's not content just to do the miraculous in your life. And listen, miracles are not a bad place to begin. Jesus usually does miracles because of people's lack of faith, not because of their abundance of it. So remember, the purpose of miracles is to cause people to believe in Jesus, to open their hearts to the impossible. But miracles are not meant to be an end in of themselves. And this is why I said that week one, that we don't seek miracles for the sake of miracles. And here's why. Jesus, he wants to do so much more in our life than just perform a miracle. He wants to change and transform us, you and me, into the kinds of people that can be entrusted with the life of God, with the life of heaven. And his life is a different kind of life. His way is a different kind of way. Jesus' way and his life sometimes are a little different than what we come to expect. And they lead us directly into storms. Now, does this make Jesus cruel? 
I mean, it's worth asking the question. Jesus, why would you send us out into this furious storm? I mean, you're the son of God. Surely you knew there was a storm that was gonna come. And Jesus, why are you so quiet when I'm over here freaking out? Why are you of all people taking a nap? Can't you see I'm drowning over here? Can't you see I need you over here? Can't you see I've got a problem over here? I'm taking on water faster than I can shovel it out. Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you? I've said that. And Jesus is okay with that because he's leading us somewhere. Maybe you get that bill in the mail that you weren't ready for. Maybe your car breaks down and you don't have enough money to fix it. Maybe something unexpected in your life happens and you don't know what to do. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. But then we look over and he's sleeping. So what do we do? We freak out, yeah. We have a little panic attack, yeah. We feel the anxiety and the stress and we stir and we turn and we toss at night thinking about what we're gonna do. And Jesus is inviting us in the midst of the furious storm to experience his peace, the only peace that comes from him. The only peace that he says, peace I give to you. It's a peace that the world can't take away. It's a peace that all of the money in your bank account can't give you. It's a peace that your counselor can't counsel you through. It's the only kind of peace that comes from Jesus. And so following Jesus courageously means that we have to be willing to follow him into the storms. You see, storms reveal what's on inside of us. They're revealers. That's, that's their purpose in our life. They reveal where our trust lies. It's the storm, I believe, that reveals the purpose and the posture of our heart toward God. It reveals what we really believe about him. When rubber meets the road, what do you really believe about Jesus in your life? When things are going good, it's really good to say things like, God is good all the time. But what about when cancer shows up? Is God still good all the time? And what about when you lose somebody that you love? Is God still good all the time? And so Jesus challenges us to embrace the storm, to engage with it, not to lose ourselves in it, but to find God in the midst of it. And so he comes to us in the storm, just like Jesus does, and he says, why are you freaking out? Oh, you of little faith. It's interesting here. He doesn't say of no faith. He says little faith. And he points his finger right at what the disciples actually believe about who Jesus is. Because don't forget, Jesus was in the boat with them. And he had never left them. And he had never forsaken them. He was there the whole time. And they missed it. They missed Jesus, who was a step over from where they were panicking, freaking out that they were going to die. But that's you and me. We have this amazing Savior who lives in us and through us through his Holy Spirit that the prophets longed for. And we're over here freaking out, panicking. What are we going to do? What's going to happen next? And Jesus has taken a nap and we're missing it. We miss the presence of God even in the midst of the storm because we're focused on the storm. This is why I said earlier, Jesus is not interested in attracting crowds. He's interested in making disciples and apprentices. And I would say it this way. 
He doesn't just want fans. He wants followers. And it's precisely this point that I think we see play out in our culture today. Let's face it, it's easy to be a fan. A fan can stay on the sideline, and a fan can be really good at conducting game analysis. And a fan can even sit back and grab some popcorn and some soda and hoop and holler and put on the right apparel and look really good. Okay, I'm a big 49ers fan. There, I've said it. Don't judge me. Oh, we got some supporters in the room. Okay. All right. And this week was rough for me. I'm not going to lie. That game was a little tough for those of you that caught it. Okay. I'm still healing from it. I had my little jump up and down, freak out, panic moment right around overtime. And it's really easy from where I'm standing to yell at the screen. What are you thinking? The guy blows the kick. What are you doing? But I'm just a fan. (laughs) And I'm standing on the sidelines of my comfy little life with my 70 inch flat screen and my popcorn and my perfect cherry Coke. And I'm sitting there and I'm yelling at this guy who can't hear me, by the way. (laughs) He can't hear me, but I'm getting all riled up. I'm getting all pumped up and excited for nothing. It's easy to be a fan. You put on your jersey and your hat and you get all excited and you you do gameplay analysis like an ESPN commentator. And you're telling the guy, no, that's not right. The stats are, no. And you're you're sitting there, you're having this this internal, sometimes external monologue. My wife usually leaves the room at that point. (laughs) when the internal becomes the external. And you're just fanning out. And we do this with with movies and we have fan conventions now and Comic-Con and FanCon and everything is all about fandom. Because it's easy to be a fan, but it's costly to be a follower. And Jesus is not interested in fans and crowds and people that are willing to hoop and holler and wear the right apparel and show up and look real good. He's interested in disciples, those that will leave everything to come and follow him. Yes, even into the storm. And it's this reason that Jesus uses storms to sift fans from followers. Because at some point, you and I are going to experience conflict, we're going to experience storms, and we're going to have to make a decision on who we believe and what it is we believe about who Jesus is in our life and if we're willing to trust him or not with what we're going to go through. Some of you have been walking with him for a long time and you've paid the price, and so you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm not here today to sugarcoat what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. I'm here to help us to see the reality of the demands that he places on our life. But if we're willing, if we're courageous enough to just trust him, to trust that he's good and that he has good plans for us, we can trust him even in the midst of the storm, even when things aren't going the way that we think they should go. And we can come a little closer and and follow him a little further and trust him with the storms. Jesus invites us as followers to go where he goes, to follow in his footsteps, even where storms often overtake us. But here's the good news. Jesus is still with you. Jesus is still in the boat. And if you know that Jesus is with you, and you know that Jesus is for you, then whom shall you fear? What do we need to be afraid of? Really? What do we need to be afraid of? These external threats that pose harm and danger to us? If God is really God in our life and we trust Jesus with what he's doing, who or what should we be afraid of? The scriptures tell us in verse 26 that Jesus got up and he rebukes both the winds and the waves. Say the winds and the waves. 
It's interesting to me that the scriptures point out that it's both. It could have said he rebuked the wind, and the wind would have stopped the waves from moving. He could have said he rebuked the waves, the wind eventually subsided. But it goes out of its way in the text to say this little peculiar thing about Jesus rebuking both the winds and the waves. And it's for this reason that I believe Jesus, as the miracle maker, he wants us to know how to deal with both the winds and the waves, which has me thinking today, what winds and what waves are you and I facing that he wants to teach us how to confront both physically and spiritually today? Let's talk first a little bit about the winds. What do, what do the winds mean? What do they represent? Our first key point today is this. Jesus wants to speak to the winds in your life. What winds are, are we facing every day? We could say it this way. What noise, there it is, in your life does Jesus want to help you confront? See, the winds are like noise. They, they carry with it the voices of all sorts of things that permeate our lives and that affect us. Truth is, our lives are usually pretty noisy. For those of us that have smartphones and Netflix and now Disney Plus and just another service and another voice to bring into our lives and our homes and our routine. And then we've got social media and we've got the news and we've got the impeachment hearings and we've got all this stuff swirling around us. And then we've got movies and music that we're just engulfing. We have to contend with the winds, I'm going to call the winds today furious noise that's in our life. And I think it's symbolic of the kind of noise that we have to deal with on an everyday basis. These are the winds that I'm talking about. It's the stuff that blows into our lives on a continual basis. And it's furious noise. And sometimes that noise is the voice of self-doubt. It's the inner voice that says, oh, I'm not worthy enough for God's love. And it's this inner voice that conflicts with God's true voice in your life. And it's precisely this voice that Jesus, I believe, wants to speak to in silence. Jesus does so by giving us the mind of Christ. We've talked about this before. The mind of Christ was given to us so that his thoughts could become our thoughts, so that we could begin to line up our inner voice with his voice, begin to hear the inner voice of God working in our life, because Jesus wants to silence the voice of self-doubt and unbelief. Sometimes the furious noise is the voice of others' opinions. Some of you wrestle with that wind in your life. It's this outer voice telling you that you're not good enough, smart enough, important enough to be worth anyone's love. And this noise is also full of lies that want to be and need to be silenced by the voice of Jesus in your life. And I think Jesus does this by speaking truth into our life. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meaning it's really important to pay attention to what you and I are listening to. So whether it's the inner voice or outer voices or other people's opinions, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, they were listening to the winds. They weren't listening to the word. They weren't paying attention to the word of God among them. Church, I believe we need to be a people that listen to and love God's word. Some people are like, I, I don't know how to hear God's voice. Well, have you ever opened up your Bible to read it? Have you ever embraced what the word of God even says about you? Have you done it consistently enough to where you begin to actually train your thoughts to become his thoughts? And vice versa, where his thoughts become your thoughts? 
Are you hearing the voice of the word of God and what the word of God says about you? Or are you listening to the winds? See, I don't think we can do this if we never open up our Bibles and read. And that's not to, to put any guilt or condemnation on anybody, but I think that a lot of times the answer we're searching for, God's already given us. And the truth is, for many of us, we don't make enough time for the word of God. And then as a result, we wonder why we're stumbling and being thrown about in the furious storm because we can't discern the word of God and, and the voice of God from the world and the influence of the world in our life. Jesus wants to silence the voice of others' opinions about you and the voice of the world. And that starts, I believe, by engaging his word. And sometimes that noise, lastly, is the, is the voice of the enemy. How many of you know the enemy has a real voice? He likes to speak lies. He's the father of all lives, the scriptures tell us. And Jesus also has come to silence his voice. And he wants to silence his voice in your life, if you'll let him. If you'll come into agreement with the word of God and what God says about you. I was counseling a young man this week, and the conversation kept coming back to things that he was struggling with. And I said, what do you think the root of this is? I don't know. You know, I'm just, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. I said, all right, stop. I said, what do you believe about who God says you are right now in Christ Jesus? Well, I don't really know. I said, well, we got to start there. Because if you don't know what God says about you, if you don't know that your sins have been taken care of on that cross, you're going to live the whole rest of your life trying to be forgiven. If you don't know that, that it's a finished work, and that his righteousness has already been imputed unto you by faith through grace, then you're going to live the rest of your life struggling with your identity, struggling with your behavior, struggling with your addiction, struggling with whatever it is, struggling with the voices and the winds that come at you. And they will, and they do. And I think we have to be careful because it's very easy to listen to the wrong voices, to be overtaken by the winds. Why? Because the winds are usually louder and noisier. We're drawn to noisy things, loud things. When you hear something that's loud, it's like, whoa, what's going on? But God usually comes to us in a still small voice. Through his word, he likes to speak. And he likes to condition us to hear from a place of silence. That's the challenge, though, isn't it? When's the last time you just turned off your cell phone? <laughs> Mine usually dies before I turn it off. When's the last time you and I just did a media fast and just kind of shut some stuff out and just sat in a room? You know what I found? When I do that, it's really hard. <laughs> it gets awkward really fast. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, this is weird. This is awkward. I got stuff to do. And your mind starts thinking about, you know, all of your to-dos. And you start going down your mental checklist. It's hard. It's hard because it's foreign. But if we begin to follow Jesus into the storm where he wants to teach us something about rest, something about peace, something about taking the nap in the midst of all the swirling chaos and winds that come at us. It's there that we'll find something that we've been missing. And it's there that we'll learn how to live the Jesus life the way that he has wired us to. If you and I are gonna be a courageous people living in this earth, we've gotta learn how to engage the wind and speak to the wind and have confidence that we're not just speaking, but that Jesus is speaking through us. Jesus wants to speak, not just to the winds, he wants to speak also to the waves. Let's talk about the waves. This is our last key point today. Jesus wants to speak to the waves in your life. So let me ask you what waves, or today we could call them obstacles, are you being overtaken by? Waves are obstacles to our faith. Sometimes they're personal obstacles to our faith. 
the hurdles that we have to learn how to overcome, how to get over. And I think these are areas where God wants to personally challenge you, <laughs> challenge me, and stretch us and increase our ability to believe him to do the impossible when the odds are stacked against us, when we feel like we're gonna drown. I guarantee you, those disciples, they wouldn't have said, we're gonna drown if they didn't think they were actually gonna drown. I don't think they were just being hyperbolic. I don't think they were exaggerating. I think the truth is they were freaked out of their minds. They thought they were literally going to drown. And so faith is not living in denial. Being courageous is not living in denial. No, it's engaging and taking a step despite the unsurmountable, overwhelming waves that are coming over you. It's saying, no, that wave looks big, but you know what? My God is bigger than the waves. When I was a kid growing up in Southern California, my dad was a general contractor. He would work from 4.30 till noon, and then he'd come home and take me to the beach every day of my life for like seven years. He would take me to the beach every day, and we would go out, and we would surf, and we would bodyboard, and we would body surf, and it was great. It was amazing. And sometimes, even in the winters, we'd go out. And the winter was cool because the winter would bring all these storms, all these amazing waves. We're talking big ones. And so we would go out and we'd put on big winter wetsuits in the middle of December in the Pacific, which is absolutely freezing. And we would surf and we would bodyboard these waves. But can I tell you something? I was pretty freaked out. As like a 10-year-old kid, I was pretty scared of like these six and seven, eight-foot waves that would overtake me sometimes. I would be laying on my chest, I'd be looking up at the size of the face, and I would just get so overwhelmed with anxiety and fear and panic that like I was going to drown. <laughs> if this didn't work out right, that maybe I wouldn't come up. It was a real thing that I felt. And my dad, being a good dad, he said, son, I don't want you to focus on the waves. I want you to focus on me. And whatever I do, that's what I want you to do. So when I go under the wave, I want you to, to duck under that wave. All right, when I go over top of that swell, I want you to go over top of that swell. And when I look to you and I say, it's time to ride, baby, it's time to ride. I said, okay, dad, I trust you. I remember doing this week after week, day after day. And by the, the time we got done, after years and years and years of doing this, we finally moved from San Diego up to Orange County before we, we left. I never really overcame the fear of the wave, but I began to understand something about it. And by understanding the wave, it gave me courage to tackle it. And I believe that God works the same way in our life. That no matter what comes, there's gonna be things that come that are scary, that you're not prepared for if you're following Jesus. If you're following him into storms, there's gonna be some waves that are gonna come that you're gonna look at. You're gonna say, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus, if you don't do something, I'm gonna drown. But as you get to know your savior, you can begin to trust him that he knows what he's doing. And when he says to you, it's time to ride, it's time to ride. And when he says to you, go under, you go under. Whatever he does, you begin to do. And you begin to take on his character and his nature so that wherever you go and whatever it is you faced, you can understand it and you know that your God is bigger and stronger and better than any way that you would possibly face. That's what Jesus does. He says, keep your eyes on me. Don't get focused and transfixed on all this other stuff. Keep your eyes on me, follow me, do what I do. Where I go, you go. And don't get fooled into thinking that this wave, even though it looks gigantic, even though it's scary, is bigger than me because even the wind and the waves obey him. They have no other option available to them because Jesus is the master of the universe. He's the king of the seas and the wind and the waves must comply with his wishes, with the wishes of the miracle maker. 
Therefore, you can trust him. You can trust Jesus with the winds and the waves. Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at CourageousChurch.com.